It's worth knowing what's really going on. This is the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Welcome to the fifth episode of our new podcast, Go Atlanta, from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm the AJC's arts and entertainment editor, Shane Harris. We will be here every Thursday to introduce you to the most interesting people, places, and things to do in and around Atlanta. This is the podcast to get you ready for the weekend. I'm food, dining, and living editor Lagaya Figueres, and I'm here to tell you about two local pop-ups that now have permanent homes. And I'm Rodney Ho. I cover entertainment, and I'm going to show you what a muggle I am when it comes to the Harry Potter exhibition. And we'll also talk about a few of Atlanta's many haunted places with special guest Bo Emerson. And in addition, we'll remember the late Leslie Jordan and talk about the closing of a Castleberry Hill eatery. If you're listening to this podcast on AJC.com, please take a moment to follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so you'll never miss an episode. This is Go Atlanta from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Donald Trump has been indicted in Atlanta. We have so many court dockets to follow, but we haven't really seen anything yet. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has covered every moment of this historic case. I've been writing about this investigation for two and a half years. Our team is led by reporters Bill Rankin and Tamar Hallerman. Follow our coverage on AJC.com and listen to new in-depth episodes of the award-winning podcast, Breakdown, The Trump Indictment, only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. We're back on Go Atlanta from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. First up on this week's episode, we're going to tackle some of the week's hottest topics. And I wanted to start with uh, the closing of uh, Castleberry Hill Restaurant. Uh, Lagaya, uh, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so Elliott Street Deli and Pub has closed. It opened in 2006, so after, you know, 16 years in business, um, that's the end of, of Elliott Street. I really loved it there. I don't know if you have eaten there before, had a drink there before. I have not. And and I'm really surprised to know that it's been there that long. Yeah. I mean, it's a little bit kind of shacky when you go in. I know people call it a dive bar. They had probably one of the smallest kitchens I've ever seen. It's the size of a closet. Yeah. You know, um, their sandwiches were terrific. But yeah, it closed on October 20th and they actually sold the building to Cam Newton who people know, you know, former NFL star yep. and Atlanta native. But he and he this is actually his third now, um, you know, piece of property kind of thing in the in, in Castleberry Hill yeah. because he opened Fellowship, the cigar lounge and, and bar that's over there. And he and his brother also have um, Smoky Stallion, which is pretty much almost across the street from um, Elliott Street Pub. And it is in the old smoke ring spot. So yeah. and we don't know what um, their their plans are to do with it. And technically, it's his property management company that, that purchased it. Right. Although he did say that there were not plans to raise 
the building. It is huh. historic. Yeah. So, yeah, so I'm not quite sure what we're going to see in that space. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think it's a little bit bittersweet for um, the, the guys that own it, their brothers, Mike and Pete Jacob. And I think that they're, the idea, they'd been wanting to retire. It had been up for sale before. Yeah. So, but I mean, that place was fun. People, it was also known for monthly iron pours. Oh, in the cool. outside, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, I, I, I think I remember seeing things about yeah, that. And yeah, and also if you go in, what is an iron pour? I have no idea what that okay. means. So. so outside, really, like they, you can. There's like these. Um, well, you have blacksmiths, yes. and they're melting, and you, you can sort of like make a brick, and somehow the patrons they can um, like do. I don't know, like writing or something right, so like that. Nothing to do with beer. I was confused. No, no, was... no, no. It's like an event, and they, I mean, it's like fire and yeah, hot, melty, molten and it, stuff. Artists, I mean, artists, you know, make things out of iron too, and yeah. and yeah. And so. so then, if you were a patron, then you would come back, you know, say the next day and pick it up. It would be finished. Wow. But yeah, they did that monthly. But I was going to mention in the bar area, um, it's just full of dollar bills. Or maybe not like some money that's not fake or some money that's fake or foreign, you know, right. bills or whatever. But they're like all all over the place. It's right. it's has tons of character. So yeah. that's, you know, when you think about um, it's just like another Atlanta dive bar on the chopping block. I think yeah. that we're, we've been seeing some of this stuff. You know, lately, yeah. but um, that's sad. I'm kind of sad now that I never went because I love a good dive bar. Yeah, I'm surprised you <laughs> haven't been there. But think about like there's other ones we don't know about. There's um, community star community bar. We don't yeah. know. You know that one's kind of up in the air. The locals probably gonna close by the end of this year. So yeah, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Yeah. So. Well, that's that's it's it's sad news kind of, but uh, you know that place the the whole Castleberry Hill area has been growing yeah. and changing a lot oh yeah you know a few years ago i did a food tour over there where and just there were so many restaurants that had opened and while there's been some turnover there it's really yeah it's 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 exciting um the growth there but this building in particular i really hope that they do some terrific stuff with it it's gone through a bunch of iterations but the building dates back to like 1870 wow yeah yeah there aren't many things in atlanta that are that old. hold on to that atlanta <laughs> hold on to that cam newton all right. Well, uh, the saddest news of the week, I think, was uh, the death of Leslie Jordan, um, who everybody probably knows. He was an Emmy-winning actor from Will and Grace. Well, well, well. He did all sorts of things, sorted lives. That main security guard bumper was cat calling at me, but I did exactly what you assigned me to do. I came in here with one less item of female attire. That is, if you can count a wig as attire. He became very well known during the pandemic for uh, his incredibly cheerful and life-affirming Instagram posts. And he also spent some time here in Atlanta. Bo had written a story about a book called A Night at the Sweet Gum Head. And... Originally, in that book, there was supposed to be a piece about, well, Leslie Jordan was part of that. Leslie uh, Jordan had his own uh, personality there. You know, there were all of these different personalities. His was Baby Wipes, yep. which I thought was uh, pretty curious. but uh, <laughs> uh, Miss Baby Wipes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But he also, it's like, it, I know that... that it, Part of the the book, uh, I'm sure, because was, he's only five feet tall. Oh, or yeah, so. he, I think he was four eleven. Yeah, actually, but there was a big chunk of the book that that got edited out, 
and ended up in Bitter Southerner. They they actually ran the story of uh, Leslie Jordan and his drag exploits at uh, the Sweet Gum Head, which uh, was an early drag bar here. Back in the mid-70s. Well, and what was astonishing was how much effort and time and production values they put into those shows, which, yep. you know, the, the straight uh, Atlanta didn't even know about most yeah. of the time. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, he was around for all of that. He was uh, he was friends with uh, Lily White, the late great Lily White, who uh, died recently within the last couple of years. Um, yeah, he shot an independent film in two thousand called "Lost in the Piercing Point Hotel." Right. Yeah, uh, which was about his memories of that of living in that um, space, that hotel before it was raised. I guess right. it was it used to be a super fancy hotel in like the twenties. Yeah, but by the seventies, it was. Divey. <laughs> yeah, it was like it was suspect. Like, yeah, students and stuff lived there, and and yeah, it was not. Uh, you know, I yeah. take exception to the divey uh, description. <laughs> I lived across the street from the Pershing Point Hotel, and yeah. it was lovely it was a gathering point for artists. <laughs> right, the Blue Rat Gallery. Yeah, uh, uh, every man had his first experiences painting poems on sidewalks right around there. So yeah. Yeah, it was yeah that that whole area became like a home for the counterculture kind of in in the seventies and uh, yeah and and that was for for those who don't know that was right around where uh, like West Peachtree and Peachtree meet. Yeah, it's been um, obliterated now. Yeah, it's pretty much yeah you, you not recognizable. No, any it's sense not. Of the word. It's it's basically just as you come into Midtown from Buckhead if you were coming south and crossing over the downtown connector. Right. Uh, it's It was in that general area there. Where SCAD is now. Yeah. And WSB. Yeah. And, and a lot of like SCAD students, I know personally, I know some of them who lived there during the time that they were going to school there. But yeah, Leslie Jordan was uh, a pretty remarkable guy. He's he, he reminds me a little of Dolly Parton, who was a friend of his, in that he, he seems to be one of those people that everybody loves. Beloved is the right term. Yeah. yeah. That people used constantly that in Hollywood, everybody just enjoyed his company. He right. Was, he didn't create an, he couldn't create an enemy if he tried. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting to, to, you know, hear about those people because they seem to be so few and far between. That's true. And yeah, Richard Eldridge, our former Peach Buzz writer, he spent, I think he, uh, he there was a one-man show that Leslie mm -hmm. did in 2005, 2006, and he was in Peach Buzz like almost every week during yeah. that period. People were side, you know, saw him all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. He, cause yeah, like I said, he spent time here in Atlanta earlier on and, um, uh, he actually was born in Chattanooga. So, you know, it makes kind of sense. That, he that would, he'd come to Atlanta. He would if, if, you're, if you're a young gay man in the 70s yeah. and you live in Chattanooga, where else are you going to go? Yep, I know it well. <laughs> yes. So, <laughs> yeah, Leslie Jordan uh, died earlier this week. It was, uh, I think, I, I haven't read any updates about, you know, the cause and everything, but he, his it was car, a car accident. It was a he, car accident. But it looked like he just crashed. Maybe he had some sort of medical condition yeah. that caused him to black out or something. Yeah, they, they're not, really they weren't sure at the, at the beginning, but yeah, uh, apparently ran into a building there in LA um, and everybody was just shocked and uh, saddened by it. And, and you can tell by looking at social media, it's everywhere. Uh, tributes to him and, uh, yeah, all the yeah. all the Will and Grace actors um, yeah. said wonderful things about him, of yeah. course. Yeah, I saw that. It was great. So, um, also, we wanted to, I wanted to mention the 10th anniversary of 92.9 The Game, which you you were there. Yeah, I went to the this. party. They were at New Realm Brewery over at the Beltline, and they held a little party on the right. patio, and they brought all their personalities there. Um, 
Yeah, the station took over for what used to be Dave FM, which was yeah. the rock station that a lot of people liked, but it never quite stuck. And I think the powers that be over at CBS at the time wanted a sports talk station on the FM dial. And basically, yeah. the game killed off the zone on 790. Yeah. And now they pretty much have only one competitor, which is the fan, which also has an FM side. Like Nobody listens to the AM side anymore. Yeah. But they are a, an FM-only station, 100,000 watts. So they're... You know, they have the Falcons, they've got uh, the United, and they've got the Hawks. So, of yeah. course, they're going to be the dominant sports right. talk station. <laughs> yeah. Big yeah. shock. Yeah. Um, the fan only has the Braves. So, right. Yeah, it's interesting that, that, you know, it killed off Dave, which, I mean, Dave wasn't classic rock, but it had some of that it element was more like to adult it. alternative elements. Right. And they, you know, they shifted the, 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 the music over the years, but it... Um, you know, and it was supposed to be like a real high-end station. Like, I think they always bragged that the listeners had, you know, relatively high incomes. And that's right. how they were able to generate, you know, money. But ultimately, right. I think the bosses in New York said, oh, we need a sports <laughs> talk yeah. station. So bye-bye. I, -bye. <laughs> I just find it interesting because now it's like The River, which is classic rock. Pretty um, much, yeah. Is the, you know. Well, it's really the dominant. dom. Oh, they, yeah, they their, their numbers are just insane. Yeah. yeah. And it's because a lot of the younger generation listens to that stuff, too. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the younger they, generation still listens to radio? Uh, if they do, they're going to listen to that. Yeah. What, what, when you say younger, it's all relative, I guess. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I suppose that's yeah. true. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I find I listen to podcasts in the, t in the uh, car. So Fair enough. And you can listen to this one in the car. This is Go Atlanta from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. I'm Ernie Suggs. And I'm Ned Ravone. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologeticallyATL. We're back on Go Atlanta from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. To start off our What's New segment, we're going to talk to Bo Emerson about a story that he has done this week on Haunted Atlanta, which you'll find in Sunday Living and Arts this coming Sunday. You can find it online now, but we're very excited about it. We, you know, everybody loves haunted things and especially this time of year. And so Bo went and investigated that. So what did you find? Well, what I found was that there's an industry in uh, ghost tours uh, everywhere you go. And uh, the funny thing is that places that everybody always talked about being haunted but denied it because they didn't want to be, you know, embroiled in that tacky kind of commerce. Places like Rhodes Hall, which is this historic Gothic mansion. Actually, it's Romanesque, I guess, on, uh, on Peachtree right at 19th Street and, of course, Oakland Cemetery and even over in Macon, the Hay House, which is this wonderful Italianate mansion that now is also headquarters there for the historic preservation folks. All these places had creaks and, and bumps <laughs> and, and voices and presences, and they were always saying, 
well, that may be so, but we're not going to pay attention to it. Now they're giving ghost tours. And in fact, up in Marietta, they have, they actually invited in a medium, an intuitive, and they let people do their own sort of ghost hunting with their, whatever equipment they wanted to bring. Right. Um, you know, things that measure temperature and r- scan through radio stations. Um, in the meantime, there are really some creepy things happening in these places. Yeah. Did you go? I, I went to Oakland because uh, that's my favorite place. And, of course, I was there on a beautiful, sunny October afternoon <laughs> with the breeze and the trees. And, and I just thought to myself, this is the least spooky place I've ever been in, <laughs> in Atlanta. Um, you could go and, and wait around. Mostly you want to do that at night, and they weren't going to let me into these places to hang around at night, or mostly they wouldn't. But um, uh, but there is, uh, there's definitely some creepy things in Oakland, despite the, uh, uh, the beauty of the place. And it really is a beautiful uh, spot. I know uh, probably all y'all have been there. They have their own sort of uh, industry, too. They have a day, it's called Capturing the Spirit of Oakland, where they have actors who stand outside of the graves where they are, you know, purportedly uh, entombed, and, uh, and they tell their own stories. And in the past, they've done people like Bobby Jones and Margaret Mitchell and others, and now they, they've just, they're picking all kinds of folks that are just average people, but kind of tell a little bit about the history of Atlanta, so that... Um, these things are all mentioned at the end of this story, but by the time it gets in the paper on Sunday, <laughs> a lot of them will be over. Yeah. So check it out right now online. The, yeah, but the thing is, you know, the the reason we wanted to do it on, you know, the day before, day before Halloween, Halloween, because, you know, it's Halloween and we needed to, you know, sort of acknowledge that. And uh, and also these are things that, you know, even if the they're like specific events, you don't have to go to these places for specific events. You can go to many of them anytime. Oh, yeah. And and I'll tell you, they remain uh, creepy. The thing that sort of got me interested in this is because Atlanta is such a center of the scary, if you take in a, into account all of the movies and, uh, and uh, you know, cable shows that have been shot here, Vampire Diaries and The Walking right. Dead and all of these things. So there's this, there's this real industry of people that are dedicated to uh, and yeah, sort of uh, uh, like, you know, evoking uh, these scary situations. But a lot of those guys are also involved in putting together like props for like spook houses, the professional ones like Netherworld, for example. Right. And I, I ran into one... Uh, an interesting guy named, uh, what's his name, Coffee, that lived in Rhodes Hall, which is the, a place where the Georgia Trust for Historic Preservation has its headquarters, but is also legendarily kind of a creepy place. Right. And he actually created a, um, they had their own spook house there, a little commercial spook house, which yeah. raised money for Rhodes Hall. And he, he built some props for it, some of which have ended up in Netherworld. But he told me about giving a tour to a, a friend of his in the middle of the night through Rhodes Hall and both of them seeing this little girl in a blue dress that was not there and uh, <laughs> and how they, you know, the hair stood up on their Ooh. backs of their necks. Yeah. Huh. So what was the scariest story that you heard? Well, one of the scariest things I saw, it was kind of surprising that somebody caught this on film and let me see if I can remember which place it was. Uh, 
a tourist was going through just a regular tour at the Hay House, that's in Macon, and was uh, was shooting just a little footage on his cell phone and had lagged behind the tour guide. And he looked into this room that was otherwise just a storage room, and there was furniture and other things in there and a baby's bassinet. And the baby's bassinet was rocking just for no reason at all. And you can hear on the, I I saw this this little snippet of footage and you can hear the the tour guide in the background who's already moved on to the next room. And this guy's looking at this little bassinet rocking and it's creepy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay, so here, the question for this roundtable, do you guys believe in ghosts? Mm, no. I do. <laughs> of course. Okay, well, here's, here's another way to say this. Have you ever seen something that you couldn't explain? Right. Well, I mean, I don't know if I have. I probably have. I'm sure that there are things I can't explain, but I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm a skeptic at heart. So, so you've never had a situation where something happened to you and... You said, I'm, I'm hot-footing it out of here right now. Well, no, not really. Although I do, you know, I do recall uh, some friends of mine had a very, very old antebellum house. And we did always tend to, um, it wasn't a, a, a vision or anything like that. It was a smell. And it was almost like a perfume smell that you would just occasionally, just suddenly it was there enveloping you and nobody could explain it. Okay, that's pretty weird. Um, so yeah, yeah, I guess that you know that was kind of weird, uh, and that house was old and creaky, and uh, yeah, they eventually dark old basements spook the heck out of me. I yeah. hate them. I, still, I mean, I'm I'm a scaredy kid. I would make somebody stand at the top of the stairs, just wait for me until I come <laughs> run. Oh, back I, off. I had oh, a yeah. super creepy basement once. Yes, I, I lived in a house with one. Definitely not fun. A yeah. little bit like Home Alone and Macaulay Culkin. Yeah, I had my washing machine down there actually. <laughs> Just like Macaulay Culkin, yeah. I yeah. want to give Shane Garner, by the way, credit. He was the fellow who was camped out in Rhodes Hall. He actually lived in uh, an apartment in the basement of it. And so that's how he had access to walking around the place oh. in the middle of the night. And uh, he's the one who uh, saw the little girl in the blue dress yeah. who said, come yeah. play with us. Mm. <laughs> that's I do have to give you credit, too, by the way. I loved the photos that you got. I told you that, too. Some of them, they looks like there's this sort of like cloud spirit thing. It's very spooky. Well, it's uh, uh, the photographers can do a lot. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, that's Haunted Atlanta, which you'll find uh, online at AJC.com and in this week's Sunday Living and Arts section. And next in uh, What's New, we've got some uh, pop-up news happening here in Atlanta, some former pop-ups that are now not pop-ups, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So Dolo Pizza, that was a pop-up that started actually during the pandemic. And it's been announced now that they're going to be a permanent part of Underground Atlanta. And they should be opening in um, late November. So they do New York-style pizzas, but except they kind of have a Caribbean twist. Um, I remember um, when, back when we were doing Atlanta Orders in, Wendell, our former um, dining critic, really enjoyed you know, his takeout from from those guys. So that's exciting. Um, Is that the upstairs portion of Underground? They're going to be along Lower Alabama Street. Oh, wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So look for that in late November. That's Dolo Pizza. And then the other one that um, has now opened, Bite of Korea, for anybody in, in Tucker, that's a fusion Korean pop-up. 
and they just opened their brick and mortar. It's in the Hugh Howell Marketplace, and that's where Antico just opened a location. Yep. Um, we've got there's a First Watch there and a Gusto and um, Buffalo Wild Wings. But yeah, so yeah. Bite of Korea, and um, you know, and, and interestingly, they started too pandemic March of 2020. And um, then, they, you know, they'd been doing pop-ups ever since. They started um, doing pop-ups at, well, actually, they began at um, sort of like office cafeteria. Then they started doing pop-ups at Amano, and then they really just took off with their pop-ups. But yay for them. So yeah. look for Bite of Korea and Tucker in the Hugh Howell Marketplace. Yeah. So, very, very excited yeah. for that. Because that's one thing that, you know, we don't have a whole lot of Korean on that side of town. I mean, Doraville, you can go to Beaufort Highway, but mm-hmm. I mean... It's like Decatur and Tucker, yeah. right right around there. We don't have that much of it, and I love it. Yeah. So, no, it's, it's, um, you know what? It's always cool. The, the, the Atlanta pop-up game is strong, and it's exciting for these guys who are, um, you know, that's the next stage. Yeah. So good for them. Yeah, and also we wanted to mention that uh, the their new tenants at uh, Westside Paper. I know it just keeps with so many restaurants. Okay, so this is going to be in 2023. We got announcements for more of the tenants that are going to go there. This is the adaptive project in uh, on West Marietta Street, across from the King plow mm. art center right so we just learned that there's going to be el santo gallo which is going to be a taqueria by santiago gomez who just i talked to you guys about this the other day or um or last time we, we spoke um for palo santo that's his mexican restaurant that right. he just opened and that's actually across the street so this is his number two restaurant i still do believe he has a, a third one coming um, but we don't know uh, much about that one. There's also going to be a bottle shop there. And interestingly, they're going to focus on um, Mexican spirits and South American wines, which is kind of, I'm wondering if it's having a moment. If you go to El Valle, which is in Midtown, um, those guys have this most terrific South American and Mexican wine-focused uh, list. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so look for this. It's called Ancestral Bottle Shop and Market. Um, and then there's going to be a sort of a walk-up brick-and-mortar location for King of Pops there. And the other concepts we know are going to be coming into Westside Paper are um, Elsewhere Brewing, Pancake Social, which um, Annie Quatrano has a Pancake Social over at Pont City. Right. Um, and then Glide Pizza's there, Diver Girl, and Boxcar Betty's. So that's quite the lineup of tenants. Hmm. So look for that next year. But cool. yeah. And we quickly wanted to mention that this week's Restaurant review in Friday's Go Guide is Palm 78. That's in Alpharetta. Yeah, Alpharetta. So Palm 78. Now, this one, um, Henry Hollis, my fellow dining critic, um, he reviewed that. He wasn't so impressed. And I think the reason being is it's fairly... Um, expensive. And so he didn't quite feel like he was getting the expectations are kind of high. The The entrees are between 40 and 50 bucks. Um, cocktails are 15, which okay, fine, if you want a $15 cocktail, but you're gonna expect it to be good. And it was yeah. fairly subpar. I'm gonna just give a shout out to what he did recommend. So I, I should tell you like what this place is. So Palm 78, it's kind of Caribbean themed, but the menu doesn't always follow this Caribbean, it's not following through. However, he really enjoyed the whole snapper dish. It's actually a whole snapper for two. 
Um, he enjoyed, they have a vegetarian ceviche that's made with hearts of palm. And um, he was really enjoying the lamb chops and the seared salmon. So there's a few things. Um, that's Palm 78. And it's uh, on Windward Parkway. It opened this summer uh, Alpharetta. Yep. So, you know, but I did want to, just a couple miles away, I was able to pop in to a restaurant called Sabu. So you were talking about Korean. Right. This is... Um, in downtown historic Alpharetta inside the, uh, well, the entrance is actually outside, but in the same building where the new Hamilton Hotel is. And it's both Japanese and Korean. The Japanese was not impressive, but the owner is Korean and he actually owns the um, Korean street food place Tiger K Cub Pop in Duluth. Mm. So the Korean stuff was kind of fun. And they have some like fusion-y things as well. But I'll tell you, the best thing I ate there was the seafood pancake. It was so chock full of seafood. It had squid and shrimp and octopus and crab and then scallions. And But it, was, it wasn't it was so like heavy, you know? It yeah. wasn't like potato-y or anything. No, there was no potato. Sometimes those um, can get a little gummy. I know, but the crispiness on yeah. it was good. and But it was just chock full of flavors and textures and that was terrific so i'm i'll I'll give a shout out to them if you guys if people want to try but like i say i think i would stick with the um korean side of the menu instead of the the japanese awesome all right well uh we wanted to mention uh that rodney has been working on something on the harry potter exhibition that just opened right it just did uh it's at uh 200 peachtree the old macy's space um part of the space Thirty-one thousand square feet so it's a very large space for wow. an exhibition and it's like 25 or 30 different rooms all set up as you know parts of Hog- hogwarts or different portions of the various eight movies i am not a harry potter expert i'm a muggle yeah truly but it was still <laughs> fun i mean i you know they, they they bring in you know you could pick one of the four Hogwarts houses you want to be part of and you have a, a, a wristband and you can play some games with it I think that are mostly more kid oriented games but you yeah. can certainly you know adults it's fine yeah. it, it, it's a lot of fun overall it's uh, it was created by a guy named Tom Zoller who also did the Downton Abbey exhibit and he's also done exhibits for um, Jurassic World and he's, he's done Titanic He's he's he he lives here in Atlanta and he's basically an experience expert. Right. And this one's opened in Philadelphia earlier this year and over six months at the Franklin Institute, and it drew over five hundred thousand people. Wow. So there's a huge demand still for Harry Potter. I think I'm definitely going to go. I love Harry Potter stuff. Do you know when one of my oldest son um, was in second grade? When it was his birthday, we threw him a Harry Potter party and we invited, it was one time we invited all the kids from his class there. And we, I was um, Professor McGonagall and my husband, you know, dressed up. Everybody had like a different thing. And we separated the kids into houses, but everybody wanted to be Gryffindor and they were like all sad <laughs> if they weren't Gryffindor. Yeah, nobody we wants had, to be the Slytherin, right? So. I, you, I, I, we gave them um, trash bags. Where, okay, this is our immersive thing. I, we made the kid trash bag cloaks. You know, and um, my dad was Dumbledore, and we would we. Did you create wands for them to? Oh yeah, yeah, and oh the prize to when you left the goodie bag was um, Birdie Bots every flavor beans, and my husband though was um, Snape. That's this really yeah. scary teacher, yep. and he he made our basement look like this really horrible dungeon that we we had multiple kids 
crying and running out of the basement. Success. The basement. Oh, more more basement. Fantastic success. Yeah. So I cannot wait. I'm and check the ticket out. prices aren't bad. It starts at $29 on a weekday for adults and $39 for the weekend. And of course, you know, if you want it to be less crowded, go on a weekday if you can. Yeah. So when um, age-wise, like, are they gearing it to... It's, pretty- it, I think if you're, as long as you're a Harry Potter fan, you'll enjoy it. I don't. I think you could be six or sixty. It doesn't matter. Are they using those projection uh, technologies you see in these? Not uh, so much in this things. one. No, this is. Um, the interactivity is more with your wrists, and they they have you know screens, and they'll show segments of movie scenes related to whatever prop you see. They have actual props there. A lot of great costumes from the movies. Um, so it, it's yeah, but it's not like no. There's no 3D type imagery or anything like that. It's not like the um, Van Gogh exhibit or anything right. like that. Yeah. All right. Well, Harry Potter exhibition, uh, Rodney's story on that is actually in this week's Go Guide. Uh, and you can find it online at AJC.com. Also, he's written a story on uh, the the Daily Show coming to town in advance of our election. Um, that's yeah. going to be in Sunday's paper. But uh, yeah, tell us about that. Yeah, the Daily Show you know, hasn't been on the road in four years. Obviously, the pandemic hasn't helped. Yeah. Um, and they decided to come to Georgia yeah, because of the midterm elections and that were, you know, we're a competitive state. So they decided to come here. Uh, they're going to shoot four live shows, live to tape, I guess. Theoretically, they'll tape it at 4.30 and then air right. it at 11 o'clock at night at the Tabernacle. And um, I think people signed up for tickets. I, th- I have a feeling most tickets are probably already gone. Um, but you could you could go online and sign up for tickets and see if you can get them. Yeah. Uh, but they're free. You know, I didn't get to speak to Trevor Noah. Um, he doesn't do a lot of media right. like this. But I spoke to the correspondents. Uh, one of the correspondents is from Atlanta, Dulce Sloan. Mm-hmm. And Roy Wood Jr. has a lot of ties here as well. Yeah. So it was fun to talk to them. I love Dulce uh, Sloan. Yeah. <laughs> She's great. She's awesome. And yeah. Trevor's leaving on December 8th. This, this, this announcement right. of him traveling here was prior to his surprise announcement on September 29th that he was yeah. leaving the show. Yeah. Um, but uh, And they haven't really said specifically how they're going to replace him or who's going to replace him. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll find out in January because they're going to bring the show back in mid-January. Awesome. All right. Well, I uh, just wanted to quickly say a couple of things that we're working on. Uh, like I already mentioned, uh, Sabu, the, the Japanese-Korean place up in Alpharetta. And also, um, we'll eventually be doing something on the Stranger Things immersive, right? Yeah, I'm going to be um, doing the media um, night tonight to yeah. check it out. So we'll uh, we'll have that for you. Also, we're hoping to have something on the B-52s. That's still a little tentative. Uh, they're coming back to town for three nights at the Fox Theater. This is their farewell tour, they say. So there'll be three nights at the Fox Theater. And then after that, they'll be at the Classic Center in Athens. And Rodney will be going to that as well. So... We'll get a, have a report from the final, final B-52 show. Yeah, and honestly, if you try to find tickets on StubHub and stuff, there are not a lot of tickets left. I mean, I think everybody who bought tickets for these events, you know, for these final B-52s concerts want to actually go. Yeah. So it's shockingly slim pickings. Yeah. Yep. There aren't many tickets out there, but if, you know, if you feel like shelling out the money. <laughs> yes, indeed. They're out there. Uh, so coming up in Go Guide, uh, we'll also have a story on uh, local black distillers and spirits makers. And we have a story for Veterans Day on a man named Sid Stein, who uh, was six when his brothers went off to war uh, during World War II. And they were both killed during the war. And he grew up not knowing them and recently came into possession of some letters that they had written home. And so he went uh, searching for their life story. It's it's. It's a fascinating tale. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it. 
So, yeah, that's in the Sunday Living and Arts section coming up uh, right before Veterans Day. And now it's time for the Pet of the Week. Pat is a stunning golden tripod. She gets around great with only three legs, plus that just adds to her charm. Her hobbies include nuzzling her head on your lap and making new friends. Pat gets along great with kids and other pets, too. She's a very smart girl who responds promptly to sit, down, and commands like fetch. Now all she needs is you. You'd like to meet Pat in person? Go to the Fulton County Animal Services at 860 Marietta Boulevard in Atlanta today. And we'll have a photo of Pat and links to the shelter profile on the story page for this podcast. Thanks for listening to Go Atlanta. We release new episodes every Thursday morning to keep you in the loop of all the great things Atlanta has to offer, whether it involves planning an outing or just giving you something to talk about with friends and family. So be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. For more things to do in and around Atlanta, go to AJC.com. Thanks as always to Rodney Ho. Thank you. And to LaGaia Figuera. Thank you and happy Halloween to everybody. And also thanks to Bo Emerson for joining us this week. Thanks, Shane. I'm Shane Harrison. Thanks for listening to our brand new podcast. And we'll talk to you again next week for more ways to go Atlanta.